<clears throat> now when the king lived in his house and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies, the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. But that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan. Go and tell my servant David. Thus says the Lord, would you build me a house to dwell in? I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day. But I have been moving about in a tent for my dwelling. In all places where I have moved with all the people of Israel, did I speak a word with any of the judges of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now, therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went, and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they may dwell in their own places and be disturbed no more. And the violent men shall afflict them no more, as formerly, from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel. And I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. This is the word of the Lord. Our second Advent reading is from Psalm 89. I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I said, steadfast love will be built up forever. In the heavens you will establish your faithfulness. You have said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David my servant. I will establish your offspring forever and build your throne for all generations. Of old you spoke in a vision to your godly one and said, I have granted help to one who is mighty. I have exalted one chosen from the people. I have found David my servant. With my holy oil I have anointed him, so that my hand shall be established with him. My arm also shall strengthen him. The enemies shall not outwit him. The wicked shall not humble him. I will crush his foes before him and strike down those who hate him. My faithfulness and my steadfast love shall be with him, and in my name shall his horn be exalted. I will set his hand on the sea and his right hand on the rivers. He shall cry to me, You are my Father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. This is the word of the Lord. Our third Advent reading comes from Luke 1, 26 through 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. 
And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed her. This is the word of the Lord. Um, So Tara kicked off our... uh our Advent season five weeks ago by referencing this book. Remember this? Waiting is not easy. Piggy and Gerald, we have a lot of these. Um, they're very fun. They're very fun books. And we have spent the last four weeks talking about how waiting is hard, right? <laughs> waiting is not easy. We spend each one of our Advent weeks talking about what it's like to wait I think it was two weeks ago I said, or maybe it was last week, waiting patiently with expectation is the foundation of the spiritual life. That to be a Christian is to engage, embrace uh, a posture of waiting, waiting patiently, having endurance. And Advent is this season where we confront ourselves with the need that we have for something better, that we're we're not home yet. This is not our home. We are waiting. We, we're refusing to live with our eyes closed, right? These weak, thin fuels of optimism and nostalgia, sentimentality. We're like, no, we're going to open our eyes and we're going to look at what we actually see. We're going to engage with our eyes open. We're not going to just walk around saying everything's fine because it's not. So we're looking around. We're saying, this is the way the world is. And together we're admitting waiting for God is hard, I don't know how you would fill in the blank for yourself. Waiting for God is hard because, and you fill in the blank. And there's a lot of things you can fill in the blank with. And we, we do this pretty naturally. We focus on what's wrong with the world around us. And each of you has a different kind of default thing that you pay attention to that's wrong with the world. Some of, for some of you, that's culture. You look out in the world and you point to politics or entertainment or cultural things, and you're like, look over there, this is what's wrong with the world. And we we spend a lot of time moaning and groaning about the way that the world is, right? The world is is going this way, and we're going this way, and it's not good. For others of you, it's the, the generic and terrible things happening all over the world. There's war, there's injustice, there's inequity, and we get in this mode where we just kind of point at these bad things. We're, we're not moving into it to bring peace and shalom. We're just saying that is bad and that is bad and that is bad. And we're casting blame and we're fueling outrage at the, the things in the world that are terrible and broken that we see. For others of us, the thing that's wrong is other people, right? It's easy to look and be like, that person is broken. That person is a liar. People, people are untrustworthy. People are inconsistent, people are sinful, it's easy to look around every day of your life at other people and be like, that person is broken, that person is what's wrong with the world, and we can get in this mode where we are finger-pointing at other people. 
But for some of us, it's ourself that we look at. We look at ourself, we point the finger at ourself, and we become cynical and despondent, waiting for myself to change. There was a, a famous quote by G.K. Chesterton where he responded to a, there was a newspaper article uh, asking, what's wrong with the world? And G.K. Chesterton responded with two words, I am. And some of us feel that. We look around the world and we're like, yeah, we know there's a lot of bad stuff out there, but I'm looking at myself and I'm pretty broken. And we, all of these things, whether it's culture or war and injustice or other people or your own self, we're waiting to change. We're waiting for it to feel better. And that waiting is not easy. The waiting is hard. And it's really important for us to be honest about these things. That's why we spend this time during Advent. It's dark out in the world. It's broken. The world is broken. The system is broken. People are broken. Culture is broken. There's a lot of Humpty Dumpty things in the world that we can't put back together. But sometimes we can get stuck in this mode. I don't know if you feel that. Stuck in the mode of what's wrong with the world. <laughs> and as we come through Advent and we focus on all of these things, we can easily get stuck in what's wrong with the world, in the waiting is hard mode. Feeling like we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting, feeling like waiting is not easy. And that can become our primary focus, our primary mode. I don't know, where do you get stuck in that? And as we come through Advent to Christmas, we need to move through waiting is hard to something better than that. Because Christianity is not just waiting is hard. While I believe firmly that waiting patiently with expectation is the foundation of the spiritual life, it's not the entire spiritual life. We need to move beyond waiting is hard to something else. Advent gives way to Christmas. Waiting is hard gives way to waiting is wonderful. And I don't mean like wonderful like it's a wonderful life. I mean wonderful, <laughs> filled with wonder. Waiting is wonder-filled, and we have to hold these things in tension. And our scripture reading today, our scripture readings point these things out. Get this beautiful first reading in 2 Samuel 7 where God makes this promise to Samuel, or sorry, to David, that he's going to build him a house. David's all stoked. He's like, I'm ready. I'm going to build God this beautiful giant house, and he's going to display his loyalty. And in the ancient world, most of the ancient gods would have been happy about this. They would have actually demanded that their subjects build them things. But Yahweh is not most gods. And so he looks at David and he says, full stop on that. I don't need a house of cedar. I don't need you to build this. I have much bigger plans than this. In fact, I'm going to build you a house. And here, houses, I'm going to build you a legacy. I'm going to build you power and rule, and your house will have no end. And this promise that God gives to David in 2 Samuel 7 drives the storyline forward as you read through the rest of the Bible. You get these prophecies about it coming, these famous prophecies in Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel. You get longing for this in the Psalms, and that's what we saw in, in our reading from Psalm 89. There's this longing that God would do this for David. There's this desire that in this waiting for God to do, that he's going to act to build this house. And when we come to this very, very familiar passage, I think this is maybe the fourth time we've read it publicly over the last three months, from Luke chapter 1, where Mary hears this message from the angel. And I don't want you to miss one very specific part. The angel says to Mary, your son will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. 
This is verse 32. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's house forever. His kingdom will never end. Reign over his house. This prophecy to Mary is fulfilling this tension in the storyline. I'm going to build you a house. God says to David, we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. And the angel comes to Mary and says, hey, the house is being built in this person. And when we read the Gospels, this is what we find. Jesus is coming to build the house of David. He's the one who's doing this, that he is setting up God's shop in the world permanently. His reign will have no end. His kingdom will have no end. The permanent king, kingdom of David is coming in the person of Jesus. This is what is being told to us, and this is what Jesus claims to have done, to come into the world to set up the kingdom of God on earth. Now, for many of you who have been Christians a long time, this is very familiar language. You know this, right? But I'm, I'm afraid that we're very fuzzy on what this means, we know the kingdom of God is here. We're used to saying that. But what does this mean? And in my, just person, personally, over the last number of years, my short time in ministry, I have come to find that most of us do not act like the kingdom of God is here. We're good. We're actually good with waiting. We're like forward. The kingdom of God is coming. So much of what we do and what we practice and what we believe, we act like the power of God, the reign of God, the reality of God's kingdom, the building of God's house is future, that it will come in the future. We don't claim to believe that, but we act like this so often. We are stuck in waiting is hard mode. We're waiting for God to do something in the future, to come to build his kingdom, to bring power, to do, to do the house thing, to build the house. And if people came and only described what Christianity is by what they see us do, I think men, most of them would think the kingdom of God is something future, something that we are only waiting for, that we practice a faith that is primarily looking for God to come in the future. We're stuck in neutral, in waiting is hard. And Christmas, at the end of Advent, is here to say, this is not all about waiting. Christ has come. Christ has come. We are not merely waiting for Christ to come. Christ has already come. The kingdom of God has already come. Jesus didn't come to, to do a work and then go away. He came to bring his kingdom into the world. And he has done that. The builder is here. The builder is building his house with us, working in us, on us, through us, in the world while we are waiting we cannot afford to be stuck in waiting is hard mode. We must also believe that waiting is filled with the wonder of what God is doing right now. The angel says to Mary that she's going to have a child. And Mary says, how will this be? And the angel says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the, most, the power of the Most High will overshadow you for nothing will be impossible with God. I don't think it's inappropriate for us to read those words for ourselves. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you, for nothing will be impossible with God. Wherever you feel the pain of waiting most, Jesus is waiting with you. He's working 
in you. He's working through you. He's working on you. God says to David, I will build a house. He comes to Mary and said, I will build your son's house. And then Jesus turns to us and he says, I will make my house with you in John chapter 14. So yes, in one sense, we are waiting for Jesus to return. But in another equally true and equally important and equally waiting sense, we are not waiting for Jesus to come. He has come. He is already here. This was the point of our Luke series. Because of the tender mercies of our God, the sunrise on high will visit us. Those who are walking in darkness have seen a great light. On us the light has dawned. And I wonder if we live in the wonder of this light each day when we rise. Do we walk through our day filled with the wonder that God is here, is working, is building, his kingdom is present, or are we stuck in waiting is hard mode, hoping that something good will happen in the future rather than believing that God is at work building his house? We are the house that God is building. You have, an ex- you have an opportunity every single day to experience, receive, perceive. You can use whatever verb you want. But you have an opportunity to receive the daily visitation of Jesus in ways that surpass all of the characters in the stories that we read. Do you know that? Do you recognize that? Do you lean into that? Do you seek that? The presence of the Holy Spirit among us, bringing love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control, leading us to love our neighbor as ourselves. Do you know that power? Do you lean into that? Do you seek the visitation of Jesus in your life today? Or are you stuck in waiting is hard mode, in neutral, waiting for God to do something in the future? I've said this before. A Christian is a person who has an experience of the presence of God. This is what the story of the Bible tells us. Jesus waits with us. So yes, waiting is hard, but waiting is also filled with the wonder of what God is doing. So as you go to your Christmas celebrations tonight, tomorrow, as we open presents around the tree with family and your friends, your kids, your kids make a mess, my kids make a mess, I can send them to your house to make a mess. We're not just waiting for Jesus to come. We're celebrating the fact that he is here, that his presence continues with us, and we take courage in that. So as we come to the table, we're going to say the words we say every week. I just want to point them out to you. I ask you, is the Father here? And you respond, and I say, is Christ among us? And you say, I say, is the Spirit here? These are not just words we say for fun. This is why we're here. This is why we have Advent and Christmas, because we believe this. We respond to the presence of God among us. These words are potent on Christmas Eve. The Father, the Son, the Spirit are here, that our waiting is half over. We're waiting patiently with expectation, but we're also already receiving the power of God among us. So let's come to his table today remembering that, remembering his existing power and presence among us. If you're serving, can you come find your spot?